What's going on, guys? I'm Alex. And I'm Steve. And this is Black Series Rebels, episode 32. And this week, the internet exploded. Woo! <laughs> 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 but we made it. We made it to episode 33. <sighs> we got a lot to talk about, but we also have a big thank you for all of our awesome pin supporters. We are once again sold out. out. Woo! Guys, thank you so much. That's a wrap on Space Wizard and Ghost Space Wizard. We really appreciate the support. Thanks to you guys, we get to keep making our show and we don't have to skimp. We get to have cool stuff like giant BB-8. Cool stuff that makes us look cool from behind. Because we're not cool in front. But you know what else that means, Alex? What? That means we have completed the first 12 collectible action figure pin set based off of the original 12, first 12 Kenner action Let figures. Let me see if I can do it. Can you do it? Farm Boy. Yes. Beep Boop. Mm-hmm. Goldenrod. Mm-hmm. Cinnamon Buns. Mm-hmm. Breathing Noises. Oh, yeah. Scoundrel. Oh, he is. Walking Carpet. <laughs> teeny. Ooh, Teeny. Fist Pump. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Peg Warmer. Ooh. Bucket Head. Space Wizard. Snaps. That's 12 really great action figure pins that are all sold out. And we had the variant. We did have a couple variants in there, but that's the, that's the, the core that's original the... 12. That sounds like a pretty good giveaway. What do you think? Wait, are you saying the first 12 action figure collectible pins is a giveaway? To celebrate completing the first 12 action figure pins, Let's give away the hashtag first 12 action figure pins. If you guys want to win a farm boy, a beep boop, a goldenrod, a cinnamon buns, a breathing noises, a scoundrel, a walking carpet, a teeny, a fist pump, a bucket head, a peg warmer, and a space wizard, all you got to do is subscribe to our channel, like this video, and leave a comment with the hashtag first 12. That's subscribe to our channel, like this video, and leave the comment, hashtag first 12. Remember, all these pins are sold out, so this is really the only way to get them. And even if you already have them, let's say you're missing a farm boy. You might Then you get one. a duplicate of the other ones, but Woo! you got that farm boy finally. That's awesome. Look at that That's giveaway. a pretty solid giveaway. I'm pretty excited about that. Also, I'm pretty pumped. A little easier to ship. A little bit. <laughs> A little bit easier to ship. A little bit easier to Than ship. all those action figures. It's very true. And just a reminder, guys, if you live in downtown Los Angeles, we are going to be at a shop called Quest on March 3rd. We got a lot of cool stuff coming up about that. We're going to be doing our first ever live show. But that's a ways away. Hey, Steve. Yeah, Alex. I know the answer to this. I don't think you do. I think you think you know the answer to this, but I don't think you know the answer. Hold on. Hey, Steve! Yeah, Alex? Man! What's going on this week in Star Wars News? Hey, Steve! Yeah, Alex? What's going on this week in Star Wars News? A whole hell of a lot, my yep. friend. A oh whole my. hell of a lot. Buckle up, everybody. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> All right, are you ready for this? I am... Ready for it. <laughs> I am ready. I think we're exhausted from I'm exhausted. all the news this week with the can, internet. Can we have just gone, hey Steve, I know what happened this week in Star Wars news. Now let's take it to... <laughs> okay, no. Yeah. Alright, in all seriousness, it was a huge news week for Star Wars. Now the last time you saw us, we were talking about the Solo trailer only a few days ago. And who could have thought they could have just loaded up a dump truck and just dropped all the news this week. So, yeah. first up. Bobby Iger, Bob Iger, Bobby Iger, Disney Corporation. He was on a shareholders meeting call, conference call this week, and he dropped some tidbits, little nuggets. A lot of tidbits. A lot of tidbits, tiddly bits. Anyways, first up, he dropped that we are in fact getting not one, but two Star Wars series that are already in current uh, active development. And um, at the time of the call, he couldn't announce it because apparently. The ink has not been signed on the dotted line, but there's already someone who's been spearheading one of these series, and both of them are set to be on the Disney streaming platform. I mean, it's crazy to think of all the Star Wars content we have coming. Like, we're going to be very busy in our little office in Chatsworth. Like, that's 
really exciting news. And it's crazy to think that we're going to have two live action or possibly one animated, one live action, doesn't really matter. Star Wars shows that you can stream on the internet with the budgets of like some of the higher budget TV shows like Game of Thrones, which we're going to get into later. But the fact that that is where we're heading, it's, it's almost overwhelming as a Star Wars fan. Are you saying you might get Star Wars fatigue? I said overwhelmed, oh, not, okay. not Star Wars fatigue. If I was going to get Star Wars fatigue, homie, it would have happened a long time ago. It would have happened when we were talking about Ron Howard's tweets for the sixth week in a row, waiting on The Last Jedi trailer. Not now. Now it's impossible to get Star Wars fatigue. But I do think we're starting to get to the point where I'm going to start not liking some Star Wars stuff. When you start making this much stuff, eventually something's going to fall flat. I mean, Last Jedi fell flat for some people, not for me, but it's really exciting and interesting. And, you know, I'm not a big stock market guy because it's clearly a shareholders meeting. Yeah. But, you know, Disney's stock isn't particularly great. They make a lot of money as a company, but my dad was kind of explaining to me, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, right? You know, investors and stock market guys, they look at companies that grow, right? So Amazon, right, over the last X amount of years has grown like 33%. Apple's grown like 26%. Disney's grown 5%. And a lot of that is because they're way behind on stuff like streaming services and the new ways that media is being sent out to their customers. Like ESPN, you got to get rid of that thing. You got to get rid of ABC. And again, I'm, I'm butchering all this, but it's just what I can kind of gather from what my pops has said and what I've read on, read on the funky old internet. And it's really interesting to watch this transition because, you know, there's a reason they announce what your next chunk yeah. of news is. No, for sure. Because what they're trying to do with that at a shareholders meeting, right? Well, it's interesting you say that because I'm curious. You know, I, I have friends that work um, in various factions on the for Fox. Um, and I'm curious to see how maybe with the if the acquisition goes through of them getting all of the, the Fox scripted TV and, and that stuff. Um, and sort of seeing how that might maybe help push them along getting into this streaming game um, and see if well, they it really already have movies anywhere, anywhere app. Technically, Disney owns the movies anywhere app, yeah. which bums me out because I think all the movies we're going to start getting are going to be for that, not for iTunes, the digital mm -hmm. downloads. Yeah. So we're going to have to start, which is like, man, I want my 4K, my 4K. But that doesn't matter. Movies anywhere will come around. Let's, let's make this happen. It's true. But. I mean, that's what I was saying. I was like, listen, Disney's always kind of been this content is king type of co company, like quality, 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 content, content, content. So it wouldn't surprise me if like these Star Wars shows and some of these Fox properties end up being like flagpole, like tentpole content for the streaming service. And I think everybody would, I mean, that's like obviously, but it's actually still kind of surprising. And I think it would make sense for why we've got this giant gap between Solo yeah. and Episode Nine, I agree. It's starting to now, you're starting to see it. Oh, oh, <laughs> like we're, I think we're gearing up for the Star Wars cinematic universe. Like that's what we're preparing for. Interesting. Well, speaking of big tentpole television, the other big piece of news this week to come out of that phone call and as well as through Lucasfilm proper is they have brought on none other than Game of Thrones showrunners and writers D.B. Weiss, Weiss and David Benioff. They are going to be writing and sort of, I think, producing. producing. They're not going to be directing um, a series of Star Wars films. And that's a key word there, yeah. series. Series of Star Wars films. Not They didn't say trilogy, and they did specify... This is not going to have anything to do with the Skywalker films or the announced Ryan Johnson trilogy. The other piece of news about this is that when Iger was on the phone call with shareholders, he did mention that these particular two guys from Game of Thrones are very, very, very interested in a very specific period of time in the Star Wars galaxy. 
So let's start with the announcement of them and get your take on that. And then let's maybe talk about what you think that period of time might be. Well, for fear of being the worst person on earth, I was excited Mm -hmm. at first because I love Game of Thrones. I really do love that show. I think it's great television. Uh, I understand. I absolutely understand the issues with Game of Thrones. But I think that that show distributes it evenly. So I, and I will I will die on that sword. Like they've done some really horrible stuff to their characters. I think the title Game of Thrones means yeah. They're all they all <laughs> no, they get all it. Are. Like like what happened with Sansa on that show is brutal and horrible. But what happened with Theon on that show is also brutal and horrible. So everybody gets their comeuppance on that show. Even horrible people like Ramsay Bolton. Like my favorite image is spoiler alert Sansa feeding him to dogs like that show really lets everybody have it so that's sort of my I, that's why i like game of thrones i think it's really great storytelling i think george R. R. martin's really created a beautiful world is it perfect no but then again it's art and art is subjective and people should be able to tell the types of stories they want to tell now the bigger question is how does that fit into star wars mm-hmm. so that's where i start thinking about are these the right guys to tell star wars stories i don't know I don't know. But if you are helming the most successful show on TV, the most expensive, the most expensive show, show on, on TV, this consecutively is consecutively 8 seasons in a, in a row. row. It is a smart, safe, a little tone deaf choice for Lucasfilm to make. Now, I'm not going to judge the content based off this announcement. I will say probably not the right time to announce that. I think they could have made some smarter choices internally and maybe held off. But the reason why I talked about shareholders earlier, this is a smart announcement for shareholders to hear. They hear Game of Thrones. They see dollar signs. They see dollar signs. They see eyeballs on content. They say eyeballs. They see socially relevant, Mm -hmm. culturally shattering content. Like, say what you will about Game of Thrones. Every Sunday, when that season's on, it's like, don't you fucking... And it's not just in America. And it's not just in America. It's everywhere. So now let's talk about... The the time period. Time period. I see this as two potential time periods that they could really tackle, that they're interested in. The obvious one... Because it's Game of Thrones, Knights of the Old Republic. Sure. I think that's the obvious one. And I hate that I just said that. Because I feel like every other Star Wars fan. Well, and Leland Chi did uh, say uh, last week or whatever on Twitter that, you know, you fans of EU and and that stuff, you're going to start seeing a lot more characters and things from that start to veer its head in in the coming months. Great. That all sounds cool. However... I think there's a strong possibility that they give us the movies that take place between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Because if they're interested in a time period... Is that, that, is that Shadows? No. No, that's, no, that's not, between that's Empire between Strikes Empire Back and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. No, this is not... This would be all new stories. This would be like Shattered Empire. They would start telling new stories about how the First Order was created and how... The, you know, the Alliance became this... Uh, Where Snoke came from? I mean, maybe. Don't start that. <laughs> Come on, you know better than that, buddy. You know sorry, better than that, sorry. buddy. Sorry, I was tempting the you internet. Tempting but the internet. I think probably 99% likely is it's Knights of the Old Republic. Everyone's going to find... Or some version of that. Yeah, I, I really hope it's Knights of the Old Republic without Darth Revan, though. I don't like Darth Revan. I'm fucking with you. Chill. Jokes, guys. Jokes. Chill. You can delete the comment. Darth Revan's cool. He's pretty cool. Take back that dislike. And now anyone that I know wrote like, Darth Revan's the best. I know they paused this video, disliked it, and then wrote a comment. Uh, so I think that's that's most likely. In, in general, it's insane that we've... If you had told me Three years ago, when I was watching Game of Thrones, hey, these guys are going to make Star Wars movies. I've been like, what? I wouldn't even, what? I've been like, oh, I would have flipped out. 
But maybe it's a little bit of cynicism. Maybe it's where we're at culturally yeah. and politically. Maybe it's just the fact that where Twitter is at and where people, how people are feeling about the state of Hollywood and the state of things that it sort of made this announcement feel, meh. But I'm going to take a step back from that and reserve my own personal feelings and just focus on it as content. And I will say, two years ago, I would have been stoked. A year ago, I would have been stoked. So this year, I'm going to choose to be stoked. Specifically because I know the next piece of news that you have. Sure. So the other piece of news that we have here is Jeff Snyder of the trackingboard.com. You know, he wrote a little write-up today, actually, I believe. Um, Basically talking about how he was on a private screenwriter's um, kind of thread on Facebook. And there was some very prominent screenwriters that he doesn't want to name because if he named them, he'd be kicked out of this this group. Um, and they basically said, I know for a fact that Disney has hired a, a female writer and that she has already turned in a screenplay. And that they have also already hired a director of color. Great. Um, and, you know, he kind of goes in a little bit more, but... That's the gist of this article. You can check out uh, the tracking board for the rest of this stuff because then it gets a little speculative. But Jeff's a very, very respectable journalist in the entertainment industry. There's some other writers and stuff that chimed in that are very respectable. So, you know, I mean, again, I I think that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy is not a... uh, not a dumb person, and, and I'm pretty sure she's got her finger on the pulse. And and I also think that that's this is just reflects what we already know the culture to be at Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm's a very progressive, yeah. forward-thinking company. They have been since Lucas was running the company. So this kind of brings it back to like, sort of like if I were to pull back, because I've had time to think about this week, because I, I sort of checked out. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reserve my thoughts before I say something that can be taken in a, the wrong way. This type of news, I understand why it hasn't been announced yet, because if they're still developing these movies and they don't want to make announcements, that won't end up happening, End up happening, which would be even worse yeah. and more disaster. Could you imagine if they announced the first you know, female writer to pen a Star Wars script and they fire her like Lord and Miller or Colin Oof. Trevorrow? I mean, it would just be like, are you kidding me? Like, people would freak you out. You want to set your talent up no matter for who success. they are no matter who they are no matter who they are so like you want to set them up for success so that makes me think that the only reason we know about game of thrones boys was shareholders yeah and if they really are working on star wars after this last season of game of thrones we're not going to see anything from them even to start for 3 years Game of Thrones doesn't come back on for another year from now. So it's going to be another year, and then that's going to air for X amount of time, and then they're going to have a whole like debrief and re- relax from doing nine seasons mm-hmm. of television. Plus they have other Game of Thrones shows that HBO's kind of been mulling around. They have that moronic, stupid Confederate show, no, which is not done. happening. No, it's not happening. So, and that's the other thing, right? Like... That's all when, when you when you look at all the optics of everything. That's where I want to go. Oh boy, this is a little bit of and I think uh, tone deaf is a good absolutely sort of word. It, it, it's if they had just maybe thought for a second, like you know what, <laughs> maybe we hold off on these guys and lock in some of this talent that we already, which we're assuming this is true, which it should be. It should be true. Hopefully it is. Then I think we don't get the reaction we got to Game of Thrones as much. That being said, like we're also not colorblind. We're two white guys. Yeah. We don't, we don't understand what it means to desperately want representation behind the camera. Mm-hmm. I, 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 can know, I can say that I believe Lucasfilm is doing amazing things in front of the camera. So I think that they're on the right track. You can always do better. Yeah, you know, and I, I look at the story group when they did that that Star Wars show. It was fantastic. Thing, and it's like you got Kiri Hart and you got Leland Chi, you got Pablo Hildago Matt and Matt Martin. Martin. And it's like, it's it's diverse. It's, you know, and again, we can, we always can use more diversity. Yes. 
we always can. I just think that this announcement was... It was tone deaf. It was tone deaf. They shouldn't have announced this yet. Yeah. So let's hope that the message has been received. And let's hope that the folks that were so... I mean, I, I would even say hurt by this announcement or frustrated by this announcement. I hope that Disney has an answer for that because I want all pockets of fandom and all types of fans and everybody that loves Star Wars to feel like they have representation. Representation. So hopefully this is true. Maybe one of them is going to direct or work on the Game of Thrones guys thing. Maybe they're working on Ryan's thing. Maybe they're working on the live TV show. We know they met with the director who won the Golden Globe from Handmaid's Tale. Mm -hmm. Maybe she's going to be the showrunner of a Star Wars TV show. There's a lot of opportunity. Let's keep pushing it in the right direction. I'm with you. I'm with you. And speaking of the Star Wars show, they had a cool little snippet this week with uh, the Lucasfilm arch archivist, Madeline Burkett, I believe it is. Yeah, Madeline Burkett. And you got to see a, like her walking through white gloves. Her whole day is spent with props and costumes and just being the archive of it. Archivist of it. And what was really cool about this particular thing was is through her in the archive, we got our first full 3D look at the new old Millennium Falcon that's going to be in Solo. And it's pretty, pretty cool looking. Did you get a chance to check it out? I did check it out. It looks cool. Yeah. I think the Falcon looks dumb as shit in Han Solo. <laughs> it straight up looks dumb. Like, I'm just going to be honest. I think it looks dumb. It looks like a slice of pizza. It looks like pizza. With rounded crust. All right. With rounded crust. It looks like pizza. I don't know. I, I think it looks pretty cool. It looks stupid. I'm excited for it. it looks so I think dumb. it looks pretty cool. It looks dumb. It's like Lando's got I already, his little... I already hate the Lego one that they've... Oh. Inevitably are coming out. I hate it. All right. I like it. It, 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 it gets a, it gets a, um, a soft minty... Don't you even give me. it my Don't you rate. dare. You can give Don't it Band-Aids. All right, I'm bringing Band-Aids and asparagus You can back. give it Band-Aids. You do not give it. No, I think <laughs> that the Falcon will probably, it'll grow on me. Yeah. I'm sure it'll grow on me. But when I first thought, I was like, all right. <laughs> all right. Now, this brings us to the big, big, big news of the week. We got the solo trailer. And with that, Anthony Bresnikin, the patron saint, saint of, of Star Wars. Saint of saint of stuff to talk about? Yeah. He, uh. Well, he's at it again, and EW just uh, basically dropped article after article after article after article about Solo. Uh, you know, we got a good little Q&A with, with Alden. You know, I feel like a lot of these interviews, we got a lot of the same sort of talking points. The talking um, points are... So for Last Jedi, it was Ryan has, Ryan gone, Ryan has gone places that we never thought we could ever go in a Star Wars movie. And then Mark Hamill going, then once I once I think they've taken my character at all the places he could go, they they put me in a place I never thought. I'm assuming Solo. Didn't know, didn't know I agreed with it. Solo is this, a film that has been sort of plagued by backstage issues now gets ready with Ron Howard at the helm and these they begin to take on iconic characters like Solo and Lando on a fun, light-hearted adventure through the galaxy. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, to be honest with you, it's more so of a, uh, as Kathleen Kennedy said, it's a heist gunslinger type of movie. Gives insight to Han's character. How he know, got his real name. How he got his real name. She oh, doesn't no. really go into that. But just sort of like, you know, he's a little bit more cynical than he was before. Um, you know, he's a little bit more brash. Well, I heard something really interesting in those Entertainment Weekly articles, too, is this idea that, like, Han's greatest weakness will always be his desire that to do the right thing. Like, as much as he doesn't want yes. to do the right thing, he feels compelled to do the right thing. So it'll be really interesting to see him toy with that pull because that's what we really get when we meet Han in A New Hope. Yeah. Is it's like, oh, God, I'm going to take these guys on this stupid mission. That'll really get me the money. I need to get Jabba off my back, and I'll move on. And next yeah. thing we know, he's thrust into the, the greatest adventure. Well, the other thing that I took away <laughs> from most of these articles was the the continuation of the theme from The Last Jedi of uh, nobodies. And they make it pretty clear in these articles that Han is a nobody. Uh, him and um, Kira, who is played by Amelia Clark, Amelia Clark they actually kind of grew up on the streets together as, as ratty little kids and um, 
coming from nothing and, and having to sort of fight their way and claw their way for anything they could get. And, um, it's sort of a, it's a, it's kind of a, they're, they're, they're saying it's sort of a, a heisty gunslinger film noir is what they said film in the noir? article. Yeah. I don't really I don't view know, film which, noir which as I gunslinger. Know, I don't know if that's sort of a thing trying to play up from the hype off of the Blade Runner sequel or not. Um, there wasn't any, like, people loved Blade Runner. That movie did not do well in the box office. No. I wouldn't say Blade Runner 2049 was a hype train that rolled in. I think people that mm-hmm. loved Blade Runner loved Blade Runner. Uh, the movie, the, the, the term film noir makes me a little nervous. Uh... Because Obi-Wan Kenobi goes on a film noir adventure in Attack of the Clones, and I don't know if it works so well in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> well, they kept referring to uh, Kira's character, Kira, as the femme fatale. Femme fatale. Femme fatale. Yeah. Femme fatale. But she's sort of, again... Sounds like an Entertainment Weekly article. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, we love you, Bresnikin. Love the Bres, love but the it Bres. sounds like Lucasfilm... Yeah. Like PR language that they've yeah. let him use in yeah. Entertainment Week, and then the other the other two sort of big things that come out of it were that, guess what? Harrison Ford was a covert consultant on Han Solo or Solo a Star Wars story. Yeah, he they, he and flew and crashed he, into the into the place where they were. He filming had lunch it. with Alden. Hey kid, uh, thinks he's great. You seem fun. <laughs> you know, do me a favor, huh? Be good enough to where people stop bothering me about Han Solo. Be good enough, kid. That's what yeah. That's how this went. Meanwhile, Billy D's in the back booth, just like, "Hey, kid! Everybody loves Lando." So, and now that brings <laughs> us to Lando, and they interview Donald Glover, and basically, the gist of it is, is he had lunch with with Billy D, and Billy D just said, "Be charming." That's it. Just be charming. That's great. I mean, that really like. If you had the thesis for Lando, it's be charming. Uh, I've seen so many like Lando, a Star Wars story, or this, that, the other, like playing in the idea. But the best one goes to Cody, the guy that did the films, and it's so obvious but so funny. It just made me laugh. It was called Solo, a Lando story. (laughs) 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 To me, I just thought that was the funniest way to describe all this promotion. People are so hyped on Donald Glover as Lando. I mean... I'm I'm stoked, dude. I'm excited for Solo. I'm surprised I haven't watched the trailer since our trailer breakdown. Maybe we'll we'll launch that up. Maybe I don't know, man. Bit. I'm I'm with you. I'm excited. I'm uh, look. I, it's no secret. I love the Last Jedi. Um, but in a weird way, and I think it's more so because of uh, Twitter and the internet, and it's just been really exhausting. And we've all been taking Star Wars so just so seriously. The last, since Last Jedi came out especially. Wait a minute. Don't say we all. We ate 30-year-old gum. <laughs> and we week. lived. And we lived. We lived. <laughs> and for those of you that actually stuck around through that entire same bit. You are super fans. You're super sweaties you. and we owe you a lot. Thank you. But no, in all seriousness, you know, we've all gotten into it a little bit back and forth with certain fans. And, and fandom right now is, is really tense and... Uh, you have to crack like, your neck guys, about it. It's Star Wars. It's supposed to be fun. And what I get out of this trailer is like... Let's have some fun. Let me just go have some fun and and not take this shit so goddamn seriously. Uh, Well, speaking of not taking shit seriously, (laughs) somebody has a birthday this week. Somebody does have a birthday, and he, he is... Some would consider... He truly is the heart. We don't even need to say his name. No, Let's we just don't. sing him happy birthday. Let's sing him happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Johnny Williams. Happy 86th birthday, Johnny boy. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, John Williams, celebrating 86 years, making fantastic music this week. Thank you, sir. That makes me happy. Happy birthday, John. That's a great way to end the news segment. You know what else is a little fun and funky this week? Our interview. Yes, man. We. <laughs> yes. I don't even want to say who it is because it's just like, it's all we can tell you is Rancor. Fun stuff at the Creature Shop at Lucasfilm. Muppets. 18 years old at ILM. <laughs> it's about to get wild. You ready? So why don't we take it to... Interview! Interview!
All right, guys, today we have a very, very special guest. We met this guest at DesignerCon a few months back, and he is none other than Kirk Thatcher, everybody. <laughs> Isaac now, Washington introduction. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kirk here, he helped develop such things and produce dinosaurs back in the day on, on ABC, right? Yep. You've worked and written on countless Muppets projects. Yes, Ooh. countless. Uh, not only that, you also were the punker in Star, Star Trek, Trek We talk five, Star Trek? Four. Where, four. We Voyage, right? Voyage home. Where you flip off Captain Kirk and Spock on which the bus. Which is perfect for our show. Which is amazing for our <laughs> show, which I think is going to go up for the tagline. Oh, right. But more importantly... That time we flipped off Captain Kirk <laughs> yes. will be the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Friends, the one now, where... Now, yeah. we have one more big credit that I dressed up for. Oh. I saw that. That's what I looked like when I made that movie. Yeah, a little bit. A little <laughs> that was bit. curly. <laughs> you were one of the many creature shop folks yeah, during yeah. the Return of the Jedi days. I was. That was and my first job. There's a little creature, or a big creature, that you've worked on, which would be the Rancor in yeah. Jabba's Palace. Yeah. <laughs> I actually worked on all of them. Ooh, oh. I didn't work on Jabba, and I didn't work on Bib Fortuna. Max and Rebo? Oh, I worked on it, yeah. Everything that came out of everything that came out of the shop in Marin, I worked on. P either molding, casting, painting, finishing. I didn't I didn't none of them were my designs, which was unfortunate. The book one of the books has a couple of my designs. George liked them, but they were too weird. Um, <laughs> which is kind of a badge of honor. Um, but yeah, but I worked on uh, molding, casting, and painting almost all the all the creatures. There were a couple like uh, Tony uh, McVeigh did Salacious Chrome. That was all him. Designed it, built it, painted it. Um, but anything bigger, like the costumes or the rubber mask stuff, you know, it was a kind of a bit of a factory. So I set up All the right. paint shop. And All right, we're going to get into this. First, let's find yes. out. Let's find out. What is your very first memory of Star Wars? Ah, okay. Well, I was a kid who wanted to do sci-fi movies and fantasy films. I loved Ray Harryhausen stuff. Um, big, big fan of, you know, science fiction from the 50s and 60s. Uh and I read these magazines, Starlog and Cinefantastique. And I think it was Cinefantastique had two black and white photos. I think it was like the Death Star Trench. You say or that with such elegance, by the way. Cinefantastique. Like, it's just so like. Cinefantastic! Like, I, I hear it and I picture like Dior. Yes. <laughs> it was an amazing magazine um, back in the 70s. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think they make it anymore. But uh, it had a couple pictures and it said a movie called, I think it was called The Star Wars, is coming out next summer. Um, it's a sci-fi action thing by the guy who did American Graffiti. So I'm like, wow, that looks really interesting. And there was buzz, because I lived in L.A., about this movie. And I remember I was in, like, a save-on drugstore, and there was a paperback, which I still own, which turns out is worth a lot of money. It was the trade paperback of Star Wars before the movie came out, with Ralph wow. McQuarrie's painting on the cover. Darth Vader had the more insect-like uh, mask, mm -hmm. if you remember McQuarrie's yeah. painting. And so I bought it, and I read it, and my mind was blown. I was like, even the cantina scene in the book... It says written by George Lucas, but I think it was like an Alan Dean Foster, kind of, what, I don't know yeah. who wrote, ghost wrote it, but the cantina scene in the book blew my mind, because it's describing, you know, creatures with a million eyes and no eyes, and I was like, I'm you know, very visual, so I was seeing this. So I was really excited about it before anyone had seen anything. Yeah. And um, when it came out, they announced this movie's coming out, my mom was cool enough to let me ditch school and two friends of mine, and we were the first screening at Grauman's Chinese Theater on that Wednesday. When oh we used to, my God. Yeah. What so was that like? I was an OG. Well, it was that's my That's as mom. OG as it gets. Yeah. Right? There's, that's not even yeah. like, I was, there's only one more OG is George Lucas, yeah. Harrison Ford, and Mark yeah. Hamill. Were, yeah, the crew. Um, so I was there with my two buddies, and when the uh, uh, Star Destroyer goes over the... Um, Audience, yeah. And they had you know early it wasn't THX. It was just like they had the subwoofer. They probably had subwoofers. Everyone just lost. Everyone was applauding and screaming. You're losing your mind. I mean, and that's the first what yeah. thirty seconds minute, and <laughs> just I mean, I'm speechless yeah. now. I'm still getting goosebumps. Blew me away. And and so many things about that movie, even at that young age, really impressed me. I think the first thing was the sense of humor, because before that, science fiction, you know, it was two thousand and one, or it was campy, but not uh, joyful, if you will. There wasn't yeah. a lot of... Science fiction was serious, or the fantasy was kind of serious. And if there was comedy, it was, you know, kind of 
like Ray Harryhausen stuff, like physical slapstick of baboon throwing apples at you or something. And and this had a sense of character. The characters had a sense of humor. And the other thing I really loved about it was it was a lived-in universe. Yeah. To me, what still captivates me, and people ask, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? I think you guys will ask me that. Um, <laughs> and it's not. It's The New Hope because it introduced a lived-in universe where every character was doing his own story. Like, you're, when you're going to Mos Eisley, there's... 50 creatures walking by and you know like that they all I want to know what they're all doing which is why it makes great yeah. video games because now you know the expanded universe they've yeah. written books about them yeah. but at the time that was really rare space movies were spare these are the aliens you know there's two aliens and they're against the humans or uh, it was very very thin and this was such a rich universe and so quirky there was you know like the bug headed guy in the transport in the Jawa transport is like nang, nang. <laughs> what the, who's that what's this that's one of the coolest robots in the movie and you're like we just see him for 30 seconds and there's that real pale one that looks like a mannequin, who like yeah, a clown, yeah, like a yeah, David, huh? like David Bowie. Like... Yeah, and he's just and like that's just in the background. So I think that's one of the reasons why everyone wanted to go see it fifty times because I think there's, I saw it seven times. Yeah, yeah. But also, it's 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 this universe you want to know more about as opposed to like oh, I get it. Here's the alien. Here's the humans. You know, like even Alien that came out almost a year later, the same year. You know, one alien against a bunch of people. Yeah. And they were working stiffs in a, in a mining ship or a cargo ship. And that was cool. But that was kind of traditionally what it was. But this was like, there's a million aliens and you yeah. don't even know most of them. It um, almost has the personality of... Yeah. And even that, like a little yeah. nod to, to, you know, swing music, but an alien version of just how silly that was. I don't know. That, it, it hit me on so many levels. And and uh, I said, well, that's what I want to do. I want to work not only do it because I wanted to make movies and I wanted to do special effects. But I'm yeah, like, that is why I want to do that. And what's funny is, all the guys that work at, at ILM that made all that stuff, they were only like 10, 12 years older than I was at the time. So they were like in their late twenties. Yeah, and they'd grown up pretty much on the same movies I had. They had just seen them in the theaters. I'd seen most of them on TV, and so we all had that same touchstone. So four years later. I got a job working at ILM because I'd met Joe Johnston. And, How did uh, that happen? <laughs> don't just, don't just, just, that's I like, just meet Joe I met Joe Johnston. Johnston. Hey, I got a job at ILM. I like what you do. That's how you do a job. <laughs> I did this. I went, hey. Yeah. If that if it was that easy, it was super oh easy. You guys didn't know. We grew oh up in the wrong time. Yeah, oh, man. man. I wish no, I, was... I mean it really was. You know, fortune favors the brave and the prepared. I and the lucky. It was all that. I was. I grew up in Van Nuys, where ILM was in the beginning. And uh, my mom happened to be the same religion as Joe Johnson's mom, and she came back from church one day and said, "Hey, it, it, Star, it was so Star Wars came out May twenty, oh God, fifth, right? I yeah, thought yeah, yeah. May twenty fifth. Yeah, May twenty fifth. Boy, it'd be bad. Yeah, seventy seven. I knew, but so literally, like within a month, she comes home and says, "Hey, a lady from church. So I was fifteen. Now I was too cool to go to church. A lady from church uh, worked. Sons work. Her son worked on Star Wars. I'm like, really? What was his name? I got immediately piqued my interest." Uh, I don't remember his name, but her name last name is Johnston. I'm like, is it Joe Johnston? And I already had the Star Wars sketchbooks with his mm -hmm. drawings and storyboards in it. She's like, yeah, that's right, Joe. See, he's an artist. And I'm like, oh, my God. He's like the art director of, of the special effects stuff. Because at that point in the magazine, Cinefantastique and Starlog had done yeah. some expo exposés on who was behind the scenes. And so I'm like, can I meet him? She said, yeah, she would love, you know, be happy to introduce you. So I met Joe, and he gave me a tour of ILM, which at that point was working on Battlestar Galactica. And it was this little building, completely nondescript industrial park, right next to Van Nuys Airport, literally almost across the street from it. And uh, so it, it, there were very little Star Wars stuff was left. There were some Death Stars and a couple models. And um, so I got the tour, and I said, I, you know, I want to do what you do or what you guys do. How do I do that? And he said, Well, keep what you're doing, doing what you're doing. I showed him some sketches and models I'd made, and a little, I don't know, I didn't show any movies because you couldn't show them easily. But he said, just keep drawing and, and learn the fundamentals of filmmaking and, yeah. and drawing. And so I did. So I was, you know, a total nerd who didn't date in high school, <laughs> saving up to do work on Star Wars. But that Walked was all out. my free time was, yeah, making Super 8 movies and models and creatures. And then uh, I kept in touch with them. I'd call them like once or twice a year because they immediately moved up to Empire, to Marin County. So which sucked for me because I'm like, oh, they're not down the street anymore. <laughs> but uh, luckily I had phones. So, uh, and then I went to UCLA for... Uh, quarter, I guess. It was 1980, and um, I graduated high school. I went up with four buddies, one my brother and three friends, and we went to ILM and got a tour at the Marin County facility on wow. Kerner. And that was amazing. There was a model room, maybe twice as big as your set here, 
filled with every Star Wars spaceship at that point, which has only been two movies. So, um, uh, and and we just kind of got to sit in there and, and stare at everything. And, and Joe gave us this tour for like two and a half, three hours, which was amazing. And uh, I, mean, I could talk for hours about that, but. Uh, Please do. So anyway, yeah. Well, <laughs> was, the frustrating thing was there's no sign. It doesn't say ILM, Star Wars made here. It just says like uh, 20, uh, 2040 Kerner Avenue. Or, yeah, and, and on the building, on the door, it just says Kerner Optical Research. Yeah. So it doesn't say ILM. So we drove up and down the street and we're like, this is the address, but we'll go knock on the door. No one's there. And I literally started crying. I was so frustrated because oh, yeah. I'm like, and so I went to a payphone. There's no cell phones. Went to a payphone call and said, where, where are you? We can't find you. He's like, oh, it's Kerner Optical. You've got to ring the buzzer. Or some buzzer, so we did, and he let us in anyway. That's how like amped I was. Uh, so we got the tour, and then I said, "All right, um, I know you guys are starting because Empire had just come out, right? Seventy nine or eighty? Uh, eighty was when Empire yeah, came so out. Yeah, so it just come out. Like this was the summer. So Empire had been out for two, three months. I said, "I want to work on the next one. I'm gonna, you know, go take film at UCLA." And he said, "Okay, well, you know, good to know." <laughs> He's I, like, "Good to know, pal. good to know, kid. Thanks. Hope you like oh, the tour." Oh, and I gave him, yeah, I gave him a creature that I'd made. I made this big fat goblin demon kind of thing. It was like a three quarter, so it was a head and shoulders and like a belly uh, for a student, you know, film I yeah. made. And I gave it to him. I said, "Oh, you know, here's I'm an idiot. I'm like, here's something I made," which is funny because it's a natural because. Fans come and do that to me, and you're like, oh, yeah. thank you. And at the time, I thought, that's what yeah. you do. You give them something. And like, But they liked it enough. They made it the mascot of the rubber room, the creature shop, uh, which I found out later. Anyway, so I, I went to UCLA for a quarter or whatever, a trimester, and you couldn't touch a camera until you were a junior. I'm like, what? <laughs> I've been making yeah. like, I, And so I was really frustrated. So I called Joe up. It was January. And I said, hey. Film school sucks. I mean, there is no film school until you've gone to college for two years. I want to, you know, I want to make movies. I want to work on Star Wars. How can I, you know, I will make coffee. Just seriously, I will go and live in my car and make coffee. Yeah. And he goes, and this was weird. And it still freaks me out a little bit to the day. He said, so I called him, let's say it was a Wednesday. And he said, who'd you talk to? I'm like, what? Because I basically made that spiel. I'll do anything. He said, who'd you talk to? I said, what do you mean? He, he said, who told you? I said, who told me what? I want to do this because, you know, we're Yeah, prof. do it. Who told you that? Uh, he said, I just put your name on a list for people to interview for the Creature Shop because George doesn't want it all done in England. He wants it done here. We can keep tabs on it. Um, and I put your name on a list for people to interview. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I just did it yesterday. How did you know? I said, I don't, I didn't know. I just. Wow. Yeah. That is destiny. My parents met through church. <laughs> Somebody, a higher power. God's a big um, fan of the rancor. I, yeah, yeah. He's like, I want that rancor yeah. to be as believable as possible. Well, I, yeah. That's a, that's all. <laughs> and that's another story for another day. Um, so anyway, I just went up and I showed my portfolio of all the creatures I did. They already had my uh, little thing on the wall. And the reason I got the job, I mean, I'd love to say, well, they saw my genius and went, must, George Lucas saw him. He said, this kid has to work on my films. And At sadly, this point, you're how old? 18. A semester of college, <laughs> a phone call, and you're in the creature shop. I'm in the creature Well, I had to interview. Okay. But what I, what I was just bleeding into, what got me the job, was I had the skill sets. I knew all the grunt work. I knew how to mix a mold, mix plaster, and you had to. I think my biggest skill set that got me the job was I can mix uh, rubber cement paint and paint with an airbrush. I, I had taken painting classes, so I had yeah. a good eye. I can mix by eye. I can mix color. I can match color with painting tints, which is not an easy skill, but I just, it was naturally, I'm very visual, so I think that, plus the fact that, here's a funny story not a lot of people know, Chris Wayless was originally going to co-head the Creature Shop with Phil Tippett, and because um, he had just finished, he was still working on Dragon Slayer, in fact, when I interviewed, I interviewed with Chris Wayless and Ken Ralston, not Phil Tippett, Phil was probably taking a vacation, um, and so he and Ken Ralston, who were two people I looked up to already, uh, tried to talk me out of it. They said, you're an idiot. I said, what? I went to the interview and they showed my stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay, you have the skills, but you're an idiot. Your parents would pay for college at UCLA and you're going to work on Star Wars? I'm like, I, that was my face. I'm like, yeah. That's like, Ivy League. Literally, literally <laughs> like, you're an idiot. That's that's insane. You should get a college education. I'm like, but why? Then I'll just want to come back here. And um, When he's not making so Star Wars movies for 10 years. Yeah, so <laughs> they just literally read me the riot act and told me how stupid I was. And I don't know if, if that was like, well, let's see if this guy really wants to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm stupid then. I don't care. Yeah. Um, and they hired me but because I had all the skills. So my first job for like 10 days was painting the building. 
It was a big empty industrial space. So I was on a, a scissor lift. So I did all the grunt work. I Just like smile ear yeah, to ear. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, making Star Wars. Wake, waking up with yep. making Star Wars. Yep, I was, I was like painting the wall. Huck Finn painting like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm painting the building where we're going to make the creatures for Star Wars. Uh, and I was on a scissors lift. And it was like, you know, 20, 22 foot ceilings. And I was terrified of heights. So I'm going up. And I'm by myself. They just go, here, kid. Here's an yellow sprayer, two gallons of, or two five gallon buckets of paint and a scissor lift. So I'm up there. And I remember I'm on this thing going, g -g 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 -g. put up the Star Wars. The Star Wars. Don't think about it. Um, so I painted it and then helped set it up. Um, set up the mold shop and the paint shop and uh, just made creatures for almost two years, uh, starting with little design things and little maquettes, we call them. I guess the French call them that. And then um, building all the stuff that George approved. We probably did 100 different little creature designs. Oh, but the funny thing about Chris Wallace was, so he hired me, essentially, because uh, Phil was gone, and then Chris left to start his own company because he realized he wanted to do, be his own creature shop. But what he'd done was he'd hired a bunch of people who hadn't done this before. I was one of the few people who actually made molds uh, out of, I would say, a third of the crew were people who had skill sets but not monster-making skill sets. Yeah. Um, they were engineers, they were mechanics, they were uh, sculptors, but they'd never done a rubber mask. Can make the effect work, but the creative part... Yeah, they had the skill, like, yeah. my, but I'd one of the few people who'd done, and I'm not bragging, I'm just saying yeah. my shitty... Sorry, my uh, my uh, amateurish uh, rubber mask I made had had enough uh, uh, knowledge to to help set this place up. So when Phil Phil kind of inherited this crew of people who a lot of them had not worked, like there was one head mold guy, and then it was me and another sculptor, and we were the, the mold making team. I set up the paint shop. Um, you know, Phil was in charge of everything, and then that we had mechanics and all that, but. Anyway, that's why I got the job, and the money was ridiculously low, but it was enough back then to get me a one-bedroom apartment, and so I set it up, and my parents, my mom, I remember my mom and dad, it's so funny, because Chris and Ken were like, you're throwing away a college education. My parents were like, you're throwing away a college education? I remember my mom specifically, to play with rubber monsters and fake, sp and toy spaceships. I'm like, yep, that's yep. what I'm doing. <laughs> yep, because everyone there doesn't have a college degree either. Um, and so that's how it started. And I got to work on Jedi and go on location for almost six months. Uh, it's crazy, too, just to think about that. Re like, imagine now, even an 18-year-old kid now with what Star Wars is. Right. If he was like, hey, I'm leaving UCLA to work on Star Wars. I don't think there's anyone in the world like, are you, are you insane? <laughs> yeah, no, now it's like yeah. Star Wars is like, yeah, you're working <laughs> for College will always be there. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, you, whatever, figure that out. Make millions of dollars. But that's it, Star Wars was, I mean, it was like a one-off. I mean, Empire yeah. came out, and I don't think people, it, it wasn't part of the zeitgeist or the as big a part of the culture. I mean, he didn't, we were the generation growing up with it, so it wasn't like you yeah. guys where it's like, it's everywhere. Um, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's you guys have it pretty bad. <laughs> it's all right. Everyone thinks that's what my house is going to be. It's so funny. Like I've had friends come over, like, oh, they're going to have movie posters. I'm like, oh, I want to get away. I, like, I want, yeah. I want real art. And I, want, I, want, I don't want. Why do you think we started shade. this show? Because <laughs> yeah. my wife and his yeah, fiance exactly. were like, put it, yeah, elsewhere. get it somewhere else, get yeah. it out of my yeah. house. Yeah. So I, yeah, my my female, my feminine side has just kicked it out. So uh. so just like, what was the energy like? on nah. the set of something like Jabba's Palace because it's such an iconic piece of film history it's a now. Lot. I mean, all those people in, in costumes and everything, it's a lot of work. And you yeah. can only do short takes because everyone's blind. And most of them are blind. It was dimly lit. Um, I wasn't on that set. I was on Jabba's barge and all the Ewok forest stuff and uh, some insert stuff. So that was done in England. I was supposed to go to England and I got really, really sick. And um, I was out for like, I was delirious. I was literally... Not in a coma, but delirious for about two weeks with the urethane poisoning and, and mono. Um, so they all went off to England and I was destroyed. But then I got to go out to Yuma, Arizona and uh, uh, Brookings, Oregon, where we did all the Ewok stuff in the real forest. And that was amazing. Yep. But yeah, I was, I, I, I was bummed I didn't go to, to England. But... Um, it's a lot of work. It's really slow going. There's no fixing it in post. You know, you, you didn't get it. You had to redo it, and we're hiding wires and things. So it, it's old school filmmaking. It was kind of the biggest movie of that type before they started getting into um, more computer graphics and all that. Literally, I think, I don't think there's any CG, and it was all done. All the opticals were still done with chemical baths. Yeah. Wow. But Star Trek Three 
was the first one to start using CG. Pixar was there at the same time, just starting. It was like eight people, and that was really cool. Starting to move the hand, just like yeah, the yeah. hand opening. Yeah, so yeah. I was work I got to go play with the Pixar stuff, the software, because they were just scientists. There was no, like, yeah. and they would say, yeah, we want artists to come over and play with a paint program. <laughs> so that was neat. So it was an amazing time. ILM, you asked what this was like on set. It's a lot. It was like 300 people, so it was like a, George said, it's like a military endeavor, which it felt like. Um, but ILM was really small. There was under 100 people when I started there. And one of the bays in the main, it was one building at the time. And then Jedi, that's when we started to expand. But uh, there was still an auto body shop in one of the bays uh, in the back left corner of, of ILM when I started. Um, <laughs> so you, you, we were talking earlier, and you said it was like Animal House meets a special, and it really was. Because everyone was, I think most of us were under 30. I mean, I was, you know, just, I was, I was under 20. But um, it was fun, and there was that, you know, you read about like Bill Gates and inventing kind of the PC and the, and the Microsoft uh, DOS, and like they didn't know they couldn't. And it was the same thing, like we just, you'd try everything, and then experimentation was part of the budgets. You know, we're making stuff up. Um, and Pixar was, was burgeoning, and, and they, were, they were figuring out what you can do with computers, so it was a great time. Um, so how does it feel seeing, and clearly, I mean, that time at Lucas really did spawn. We talked a little bit about with John Schnepp and Paul Dini. Kind of spawned modern filmmaking, right? Absolutely, a lot of yeah. things oh, came out of that. George is the George is like the George Malise of filmmaking. Yeah. He's the George Malise of, of modern filmmaking. of everything, right? Yeah. So, how does it feel now, being someone who was so passionate about old school monsters and working on things like molds and right. puppets in the you know the seventies, eighties? Now to see it coming back in vogue, right? right like right. when you look at something That's like cool. The Last Jedi or Force Awakens or right. even Rogue One. All of them. Yeah. How does it does it does it make you feel proud to know that those types of craftsmanship is st that's still being used today? Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know, proud, but I'm happy. I yeah, mean, you know, I didn't invent it. I just was one of the goons and knew how to do it. I mean, and I have a ton of friends that we, you know, still make creatures out of things you can touch. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's heartening because I think CG went bananas, and they. What's neat about it is you can do anything. The bad thing is you can do anything, and people do. Um, and, and that's uh, all the way down the line from design, where you see designs that really wouldn't work in the real world, in the physical world, but nobody cares because you know, we can have a monster be anything we want, to shots that you can't do. And, and I think the audience, you know, people aren't sophisticated in terms of how things are done, but everyone walks around in the real world. So when you see things, whether it's a creature or a shot or a, you know, an, an explosion that doesn't have a verisimilitude about it, like it looks fake, I think it pushes you away. And I think that was a problem with the... A big problem with the prequels is there's so much, and George loves the CG because it's so much easier to shoot. You're just sitting in a nice air-conditioned room later and, and guys, it, you know, it's very quiet. You don't have... <laughs> Whatever you want, George. Yeah, <laughs> well, you want. it's true. But yeah. you, you got know, it, George. The thing about production, you asked what Jedi was like, you've got this army of people and you're fighting physics and, and, and time. Yeah. You know, we you're just going over budget because, you know, clouds flew over or we had a windstorm. We had yeah. to shut down the... Or Max Rebo's, like, <laughs> nose his little... Yeah. <laughs> Max Rebo's nose <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all that, you know, his wire gets tangled up. It just, there's so much... About, Max I Rebo's mean, a diva. <laughs> Max Rebo was just always causing problems. I need that t-shirt. Yeah. Max Rebo's a diva. Well, you know he doesn't have legs. That's all. That was. That, those are his legs. Uh -huh. Like the, the little Kenner figure is wrong. <laughs> it's true. That's that's a lie. It's a lie. It's not canon. Not canon. <laughs> he does. He sits on his butt and plays with his feet. Um, yeah, he does not have little feet and a skirt like the figure does. So you've all been lied to. Um, breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think uh, the fact that physical stuff has come back, um, it just looks more real. And I, to me, I don't really care as long as it's uh, you know the right tool for the job. Um, nothing to do with Star Wars, but uh, where the wild things are, which we may or may not like as a film. But the creatures are really good because they're actually giant walkarounds, yeah. and they did CG on the faces, faces. Because the mechanics of that size, they just get floppy again. You're yeah. fighting physics. That's where using what CG can do. Uh, advantageously, I think, is really good. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're doing Godzilla, you're not going to make a giant foot to stomp around. So, again, it depends on what you're... That's why Jurassic Park will always be timeless. Yeah, exactly. Because it's There's everything real that you, rubber you, monsters you use a monster yeah. when you can, and, and when it's right. like, we need a T-Rex to chase a Jeep, right. get a computer to yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's interesting. I'm curious, because, you know, we've got the solo movie coming out. I'm curious, you know, 
if it's okay we'll, well it's it okay to be curious, but I'm wondering if you know we'll ever get to see Jabba on screen again, mm. and if so, will it be a combination of the technology they used yeah. to insert him in A New Hope, as well as the technology that they used with the puppet on Return of the Jedi? Yeah. How do they do that? Yeah, how, how it's would they, be a they? Like, how would they do it? I to think make the body people... would be great as a real thing, and maybe the lip sync, like you know, kind of flap the yeah. mouth to get the overall motion, and then do the lip sync with the with CG, maybe eye blinks. I don't know. He's so big. He's he's actually he's <clears throat> he's big and he's blobby. So it actually physics the real world physics helps. Yeah, <coughs> I just saw. Ele- I was up the coast for a little vacation. Went and saw elephant seals. And the males wept away way up to like six thousand pounds, and they're like giant fat. They're like Jabba's. I mean, yeah. they don't have arms or legs. These ones, <coughs> yeah, they all look like they're dead. But when the males start moving around, they're like fat caterpillars, but the blubber and everything. You're like, that's amazing. So Jabba has that because you and you know you can overdo it like Boss and Ass. You know, you've got too much physics going on. Mm-hmm. And it looks fake. So, I, I to me, that's how I do Jabba. I don't think I don't think. Uh, <laughs> Kathy Kennedy's gonna call me. <laughs> you're but if you're first. listening, Kath, <laughs> I'd be happy to. I, I already work with them. Out. I'm right there on the lot, often. <laughs> so. And I know all the guys at ILM. Like we're like this. <laughs> we're bros. I mean, a few of them that are left. He just won't work with Max Rebo. He's a diva. <laughs> no, Max sure. Rebo, no. and he has legs <laughs> that he plays with. All right. So, yeah, so we talked a lot about your experience working on Stars, but you're also a fan. So let's break down your fandom. Let's break down. (laughs) Broken down already. So we already know. I think we already know the answer to this, but we'll just ask it again. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? It's the New Hope. Yeah, that just blew me away. Still watching all of them. I still just that one. You know, because you see it through a fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old's eyes, and and that magic. That still, it it just you know holds a place in my heart. That and Monty Python: The Holy Grail. (laughs) (laughs) Both change. You know, kind of went. That's who I want to make. Somewhere in between those two. I mean, actually, kind of you, the I was going to say, so you, your career ended up exactly <laughs> yeah, how you wanted it Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You're right. I never really thought about that. That's amazing. What What would you say is your, your now, it doesn't mean that you hate it. Right, so right. You're, not, least, you're, not, you're not getting in the hate world, but what's your least favorite song? Yeah, I think it would be uh, Phantom Menace. It's yeah. just uh, the dialogue in the beginning and the, the kind of the stare, Newt Gunray bugs me. It's just like, oh, could I be any more of a racist stereotype? Yeah. Um, and I was kind of wild. I remember just going, <laughs> Wait, what? Really? Seriously? And then the CG was overused, I think. You know, I think they derived too heavily on... I, look, I have friends who worked on that, and I thought there was look, great designs, really fun stuff. I liked some of the humor. Some gorgeous sets, you know, so it didn't hate the whole movie, but I think it was just... What killed me about that, I was so disappointed. I was like, wow, that's that's what came out. That's it, after waiting and, and all And the dialogue this time. was just so wooden, you know. Um, yeah, after waiting all that time and being really pumped and, you know, going to see it opening night in, in Westwood. And also knowing the energy and being yeah. connected. Well, friends, friends who worked on it for two or three years were super excited. Like, I mean, a friend of mine, Doug Chang, was a you know, production designer. Yeah. And then to see your buddy's movie, you're like, uh, what do you say when you see him? Like, oh, yeah. the designs were great, which yeah. they were, but but um, I think that was my least favorite out of all of them. Again, because of the, the hopes and the expectations. I yeah. Know. So, wh- who is your favorite character? I think it'd have to be Han Solo. I yeah. just thought he was so cool. Yeah, because he didn't care, but he kind of did, but he didn't. I, to me, he's just like, that's the coolest guy in the galaxy. I mean, that's who he's written to be, and I think he he pulled it off all the way through him getting killed. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think it was Han. And I guess that's not really clever, but... Uh, I said, yes, actually, you'd be yes. surprised. It's not a very common answer. Really, really. What's the most yeah. common answer? I'm curious. I feel like R two D two. Oh, really? Yeah. Vader is really. It's common. funny. We were talking. About, I was telling a, a friend of mine who's a girl who's not a big Star Wars fan. She grew up with it, but it's not. A, and she's like, and I was saying, I have tons of friends who build R twos. Yeah. And I, and I said, I I think he's cute, but I don't get the fascination with building a little beep boop robot. He's you know, to me, I would build a Chewie or a Jabba or something. I mean, I'm a creature guy, but uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so it would be Han. Who's your least favorite character? Maybe we know the answer to this. Well, who do you think it is? Everyone? Newt Gunray. Newt Gunray, yeah. <laughs> Although he and Watto are tied. I mean, they're just... Hey, honey! <laughs> would you like some hummus? Oh, wait, too much? Okay! <laughs> I, just, I just was like, wow. I, but yeah. I think because Newt Gunray was first, I was like, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't like... Uh, I, I don't know. I just thought it was a little... I didn't a little too real. Too on the nose, yeah. 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 Just, and just... I guess easy, cheap. 
Yeah. And I was like a cheap shot, sort of. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm picking on George. No. No. Amazing movies. And I'm going like, I don't like one character because he sounded like a stereotype. This is all with love. Like, we... Yes. We wouldn't be here talking about I have a Newt Gunray toy at home. Well, the design was cool. Yeah. It's all... You know what I mean? It's all... We're, we're never going to be in this room and just rip <laughs> apart creative people. Right, that's right, silliness. Right. No, like, of course. That's it's any choice is brave, and everyone's allowed to have right, an opinion right. about and it. And we'll you can make mistakes. And yeah. I think you know Jim Henson made huge mistakes that are cult favorites now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dark Crystal's a huge <laughs> tank. Hold on. Whoa. No, no. It was Wait. A tank. Let's. Let's. <laughs> no, no. That's for the, but, for the sequel. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, he made a movie that tanked, and he took enormous risks. Yeah. Like, the, the Skeksis originally didn't even speak English. They just like they invented their own language. Huge risk, and it didn't do well. Now it's a huge. I'm saying it's a cult favorite because yeah. of that. But at the time, oh, Gone with the Wind or um, Wizard of Oz was not a huge hit. So people it's who take these big album. risks, yeah, they, <laughs> they over time people go, wow, that's amazing. That was brave. Yeah. But I think, um, I don't think Phantom Menace will be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite line in Star Wars? I've got a bad feeling about this. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that it's in peppered every in movie. every movie. I love that kind of running gag. So to me, that that uh, either that or I know. <laughs> did you catch who said it in The Last Jedi? Uh, I did, but I don't remember now because I kind of blanked on it. It's BB-8. Oh, and that's right. And then goes, happy yeah, beeps, buddy. Right, Only happy right, beeps. Yeah. Right, that's right. <laughs> I think um, in the theater I went, wait, I think that's That was the I got tight. <laughs> just like nerd sweat. Just yeah. Just kind of like tight. Um, yeah, that and I know from I Love You. I know. That was pretty, that again, oh, so I mean, that's, that's why he's epic. so cool. Oh, I know. It's, it's boring to say the, your favorite line is, I know. So I have a bad feeling about this just because I love that they use it everywhere. Oh, my awesome. God. So... I'm already blanking on our questionnaire here. The questionnaire is, if you could have yes, any job in the Star Wars universe, uh -oh. what job would it be? Now, you already worked in it, so this is if you were a if character. You were a character oh, character, okay, yeah, breathing. not making the universe. No, 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 but yeah. like, oh, wow. in, in the actual galaxy. That was the one I was like, that's a toughie. Um, <laughs> I've thought about this because I wanted to do a short film about it. I wanted to be a, I thought it would be cool, Not, you know, God, I hope I don't look like him, be the Rancor uh, trainer, or the guy who raises Rancors. <laughs> The guy, the guy who's I've so always, sad when he did dies. Did you ever see that silent cartoon? Somebody did like a six-panel cartoon about the chubby guy, and he there's a rancor egg, and he hatches it, and he's playing with <gasps> no, it, and he's feeding it, it, and he throws a stick, and it brings it back, and you see him raise this giant thing, and then he's killed, and the guy's just weeping. Because remember, he cries. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I want to make that as a short film. Oh. So I, I think being like the Rancor... Like the Pixar version of like the, Rancor's the Rancor just guy. a bitch. They're like pit bulls. Like, what if yeah. they're really whatever, you know, if you beat them and, and whatever, keep them in a cage and feed them people, of course he's going to eat them. That's all he gets fed. Yeah. So I think it would be really cool <laughs> to, like, raise Rancors, but have them, like, you know, pull a chariot or something. <laughs> <laughs> so there. That's a job I bet no one else has said. Oh no. my gosh. Uh, what job would you not want to have? Like, if you were in the universe, like... Cleaning up after job. Yeah, but... That's, that's our very common yeah, that's answer. Or, that, that, or, uh, that's the one. Sarlacc pit attendant. <laughs> like yeah. feeding them like they do dolphins. Yeah. Like, so you're like holding the fish above yeah. the hole and you're just like... Yeah. Mm, smells really bad. <laughs> really bad. What, you rot for 10 million years or something? <laughs> yeah. What color lightsaber uh, would you have? I didn't think about that. I would want like a paisley one that has like uh, undulating purples and greens Ooh. and blues. Kind of like... Um, Almost like an ocean a water effect, you know, where you get the ripples, but going up and down the lightsaber. Because no one's ever done it. It's always solid color. I'm like, let's Ooh. get something with some animation. Kind of a little bit of a hippie lightsaber. Hippie, yeah. yeah like, kind little, of like a... A little bit of a... <laughs> yeah, a um, lava lamp. <laughs> multicolored <laughs> lava lamp lightsaber. There's our million dollars. Every time idea. you light it, the Sith guy's just like... Chill dude. out, bro. Like, like, relax, like, man. I do look like I'd be the like, dude. I'd be the dude <laughs> Jedi. Yeah, the dude Jedi. Hey, man. This direction will not stand, Darth. <laughs> 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 All right. All right. So yeah, you're on the bridge at Cloud City. Yes. You've got your lava lamp lightsaber. <laughs> It's you, spinning. You, you, Vader's, Vader's mostly been entranced by how bizarre it is, <laughs> but you've got your lava lamp lightsaber. You're going at it. He cuts off your hand. It's on. It's right. falling down the pit. I'm holding you're holding on. on. Yeah. Kirk Thatcher, Darth Vader can say one thing to you. Yeah. Besides, I am your father. What is he saying to oh, you? Besides, I'm your father. Okay. Uh, I thought about this a little bit because he fed me that one. I was like. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Wow, that was that was bad. Your mom, when she finds out, it's gonna kill me. 
Wait, my mom? Oh, yeah. oh, well, spoiler alert. Oh, I'm, I'm, oh. oh, damn it. Yeah, this is awkward. Um, I just draw it out for like five my minutes. my mom? What? You know my mother? Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, oh, I, uh, but I'm, uh, yeah, this is weird. Uh, I really uh, did not think it would go this way. Listen, I choked her oh, yeah. while she was pregnant. <laughs> it's Could you like, just like jump? Yeah. Just make it a lot easier. I, you know what? I didn't, I... <laughs> I I was just trying to scare you. I didn't mean to cut off your that. We can rebuild it. They, have, you know, I'm all mechanical. Just just kind of dribbles out, and Luke's just like, what the? Yeah, my, that would be my version. That, that was absurd. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being oh, here. Sure. So I know that our fans out there in the internet world are always so thrilled to hear new stories about what it was like working on these iconic oh, yeah. films. So thank you so much for coming by. Uh, if people want to find you on social media, check you out online. Where can they find you? I'm on Facebook and Kirk R. Thatcher. Really clever. I'm on Instagram. <laughs> They're all the same. Kirk R. Thatcher on Kirk Twitter. Kirk R. Thatcher. Yeah, I'm trying to get up a website. I've had a company for three years been bilking me to get something where, because people ask for autograph pictures and stuff. Uh, so it'll be something clever like KirkArthatcher.com. I think I bought the domain name. Um, but right now it's Facebook and uh, Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. We'll throw those Rad. notes in the show notes so people can find you. And again, thank you so much thank for being you. here. And guys, awesome. thank you so much for tuning in. And may the force be, be with, with you. <gasps> Thanks for checking out the show. And if you liked what you saw, Remember to hit subscribe. And if you're listening to us over on iTunes, please give us a five-star review. If you guys want to support the show, you can check out our merchandise shop. Every order that we sell goes right back into helping us make this show. And remember, tell your friends. May the force be with you.